Hey, welcome back to another time of Sordid Tales of Faith, where we get to look at our scriptures, hear our stories, and go, <gasps> because we at FOS and all of society actually understand ourselves solely through narrative. So as we reread, as we reappropriate these stories for us, we actually help to create new meaning. When we have new experiences which inspire new potentialities for our future, we have the tendency to look back in order to reauthor our past, to move our present shaped by that experience toward the hoped for future. Every time the imagined future reshapes how we find meaning in and live out our stories. It can create a lot of noise though, competing voices trying to define who we are and where we should go. This creates a desire within us to move beyond the static by turning down the noise, silencing the chaos around us. And I agree, I want to move beyond the chaos, beyond the static, but it cannot happen by simply turning down the noise. It happens by being present in the chaos, not by eliminating it. Because the static, the noise and disorientation is a natural part of growth, change and will always be a part of the human experience. We were called to be like the one who sat over the chaotic deep to bring order out of chaos, life out of lifelessness, and therefore become formed in the image of God. To move beyond the static is to embrace the call, to face these moments of chaos, disorientation, discontinuity, of noise, and to create with the resources found in these moments, a response to the need that is in front of us. Moving beyond the static is letting go of an idealized past to return to. Whether it is a people returning out of exile, whether it's a time of Jesus, of Paul, or the first century church. We're not returning to a golden era of our country or any time in which we look back and think that hope is somewhere back here because we've realized hope does not exist in an idealized, homogeneous, frozen in place, static past. Rather, it is drawn out of our chaotic present by the potentiality of our shared future. The God with all of us, not some of us. The God who exists and unites the whole community. And this was even true for Paul. And this is where we'll have our moment of disorientation. And then we'll say, what? Because for Paul, the world shifted, creating chaos because of the Christ event. Looking back, we can often romanticize the struggle. And often, we think Paul worked with the stories like we would. He found new information in almost a scientific fashion, which showed how the literal meanings of old stories had to lead to the specific Christ revealed to him. But as we engage Galatians, we find that, that our own chaos will be discovered tracing his stories to how he defined the community. See, Paul was responding to the need and discomfort of a community being blended together. Not by finding an original meaning, but by creating an original meaning through reauthoring the Old Testament text. In fact, Galatians 3, 1 to 431 is a blending of the first five books of the Bible in order to find room for a new community. See, he wasn't moved to try to defend or to define who Jesus was. He moved through the old stories to find meaning, boundaries, and understanding for who we are because who Jesus is. Now, most of them won't shock us 
because he uses the, the text like metaphors. We talked about two mountains, two covenants, two people. But in 3.13, it's causative. In 3.13, it defines how we are justified, how we are made right before God because of Jesus. And it says, the Messiah redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse on our behalf. As the Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangs from a tree. Now, this Old Testament quote draws from Deuteronomy 21, a book which outlines the covenant and the way that God would relate to his people Israel. Saying, as the Bible says, is different than a metaphor. Saying, as the Bible says, means that we might think we can go back and we could retrace the steps for how Paul arose at this new answer. Deuteronomy 21, 22 reads, if a person commits a sin punishable by death and is executed and you hang the corpse on a tree, his body must not remain all night on the tree. Instead, you must make certain to bury him that same day. For the one who is left exposed on a tree is cursed by God. If this is a straight reading of the text that Paul is echoing here, when he says, as the Bible says, then Jesus committed a sin and was executed. Therefore, his exposure was a curse of God. And yes, Jesus was judged, just like Deuteronomy said, for the sin of insurrection against the state. And he was found guilty. But Paul offered an ironic reading of Deuteronomy to expose the scapegoating mechanism upholding stories of purification and cursing. Jesus was found guilty. He was executed. But then the unthinkable happened when the scapegoat, the innocent one, the one who should not have been killed, came back to life, demonstrating that this mechanism of trying to keep us pure by exiling, by killing, by moving, was bust. That these violent tales could never end in the true hope of a radical humanity. So Paul offered an ironic rereading of Deuteronomy because he experienced a kingdom advancing through inclusion, not war, since the king himself brought Paul in rather than hung him from a tree for killing people within the church, which demonstrates how Paul's conversion also converted his imagination and his hope for future, reauthoring his sacred traditions and history in response to seeing a new potential of a community defined by Jesus. Deuteronomy's drive towards purity upheld via scapegoating couldn't bring the hoped for people. A straight reading couldn't bring the new creation promised. It took a dynamic rereading that exposed the violent acts of purifying our ranks as scapegoating. Born out of Paul's experience of inclusion by Jesus, while violently scapegoating others, Referencing Galatians 1.13, you heard the way I behaved when I violently persecuted the church of God. So we find in these re-readings a drive of new hope for future because Paul in the beginning said, I experienced inclusion. I experienced being brought in and that forced me to re-enter my old stories and to find a room. So Paul found new creation by breaking the purification narrative of Deuteronomy in order to show there is no curse. There is only new creation through seeing all as blessed and chosen. Returning back to 313, the Messiah redeemed us from the curse of the law 
and by becoming a curse on our behalf. As the Bible says, <clears throat> cursed is everyone who hangs from a tree. This was so that the blessing of Abraham could flow through to the nations in King Jesus, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So in order for God's dream to be realized, a world defined by a God with us, marked by his spirit in the community, where a touch of God guarantees that future hope, reshaping our stories towards transgressing boundaries for inclusion. Deuteronomy needed to be read in response to the new community's need. And in this time, if you read throughout Galatians, everything being mentioned, from in chapter 2, where he mentions his fight with Peter, through chapter 5, to where he talks about the different covenants, it circles around a notion of circumcision and marks and identities. So if we focus on boundaries, the in and out, we fall back into the fight of Galatians, trying to insist on traditional markers of being holy, orthodox in the covenant. In other words, the circumcision and uncircumcision when what really matters, what really defines and marks the movement, is finding room in our faith for the Gentile other who would make us unclean, dirty. We follow Paul's reauthoring of ancient rules, to, which builds to a climax in 5.6, where he says, For in the Messiah, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any power. What matters is faith, working through love. So we see that the reauthoring of these stories, the way you want to interact with your old stories when you try to reauthor, you find cracks, you find movements, is not random. It's not just to say I have novelty and new meaning. It is a responsive reading towards those left outside the lines of the old stories. Just in case we say, yeah, but Paul in dot, dot, dot. Remember, we never want to jump so quickly. We focus in the single book at a time to listen well. And we see that Paul finished Galatians with a tightly focused plan for experiencing the kingdom in places you never imagined. As he ends the letter with, so then, while we have the chance, let's do good to everyone and particularly to the household of the faith. Circumcision you see is nothing. Neither is uncircumcision. What matters is new creation. And that new creation was understood as that which was inaugurated by Jesus, found within this community, and that retroactively reshaped all stories to create room for the people present. Because he saw the potential because of Jesus for a radical humanity compelled by love and moving in hope, not from fear, to do good for everyone discovering beyond our static boundary, the dynamism of new creation that interacts and changes as the voices are added. And I want us to keep it in mind because he, he wove together, he blended the first five books of the Bible. And we might remember another crazy tale in Exodus 4, where God comes and threatens to kill Moses, actually sends an angel of death to kill Moses because he hadn't circumcised his son. So circumcision or not circumcision wasn't an empty idea. It would be a moral question. 
It would be a spiritual question. It'd be a, do you really believe what you're reading question? But Paul offered a way of seeing which discovers cracks in the old boundaries that defines our world to create room for new meaning, new endings, and new creation to bloom in unexpected places. But first he had to face the violence within himself that he referenced in the first chapter. For that time, it was the Jew, Gentile, clean, unclean, or sinners and saints. But I'd ask you to reflect. What boundary markers are you holding that separate you from humanity? What things do we keep in place and say, yes, we could have a shared humanity, a radical humanity, but? It might be in these places where we can find cracks in our border to let new life in. And like Paul, you might find it only after you face your own violence, then move beyond the static originals you passionately defended to allow your sacred story to be affected by the experience, stories, and inclusion of your own Gentiles.